This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, and I'm here today with my co-host, Alan Peterson, the Executive Director for the Compassionate Friends. Hi, Alan. How are you, Heidi? It's an honor to uh, be uh, doing another radio show with you. I I love doing them. We've done many over the years, and uh, all the different wonderful guests that we get to meet and talk to and learn more about, and... uh, Today is a, a, a dear friend of the Compassionate Friends, and, and I know a dear friend of yours, uh, but somebody has, who has a lot to say about a lot of things, uh, Harriet Hodgson is on the show. So I'm really excited uh, to interview her, and um, it's going to be a good show. I agree with you, Alan, and we've had Harriet on many times before. She's a fabulous person, and we are going to talk today about raising grandchildren because she raised hers. And I think it's a very important topic because so many people out there feel that when children have had a loss, their life is absolutely destroyed forever. And Harriet is here to tell you that that is not the case. Her two grandchildren have gone on to do phenomenal things. And she's going to tell us about them and what she did and the do's and don'ts. And also, Alan, we were talking before the show about the fact that she also wrote a book that was very hopeful about finding hope that we're going to touch on also. Yeah, and you know, I, she writes for our magazine. First of all, she's generous with her time, as she is today. Uh, she writes wonderful stuff for our TCF magazine. So she's a rock star. So I, we get, we only have 20 minutes. We better get her on here okay. so she can uh, inspire others like she inspires us. Here we go. Let me introduce well, her a little bit. Harriet yeah. Hodgson has been a freelancer for 37 years and is the author of 36 books, Alan, 36 uh, including, That's ridiculous. I know, right? Including her latest book. It's called So You're Raising Your Grandkids. In 2007, four of her family members, including her daughter, the mother of her twin grandchildren, who we're going to talk about today, and the twin's father died. So in other words, their mother and their father died. John, Harriet's husband, and Harriet became the twins' legal guardians and cared for the twins for seven years And obviously, even though they've graduated college, they're still in their lives and caring for them. Welcome welcome to the show, Harriet. Thank you. So, Harriet, tell us. I'm sorry. Go on, Ellen. Well, I just had to comment before we get serious here. Okay, come on, Harriet. I'm writing one book, okay? And (laughs) boy, are my fingers tired. 36, (laughs) that's just showing off. I'm sorry. But that well, is, if, that, if you've been wild. writing in, in your basement for decades, you know, something <laughs> should happen. <laughs> so. Well, you're a terrific author, so go ahead, Heidi. Uh, I love it. Book. Well, in Harriet's book, she starts out by saying, you know, you're an occasional, your occasional role of grandparent suddenly became her full-time role. Can you talk to us a little bit about your story, Harriet? Well, like all grandparents, our, our grandkids... Um, came over for holidays, uh, you know, and occasional birthday parties, picnics, things like that. And there's a big difference between an occasional visit from grandchildren 
and a visit that isn't occasional and continues for years. We were fortunate in that the children lived in the same town we lived in, so they didn't have to change communities. But um, it was a jolt when when you have four deaths in a row, as we did, four deaths within six months. And both their mother and their father died. And how old were the twins when they lost their parents? They were 15 years old. Wow, so they were teenagers. And, and every age is a hard age to lose a parent. But at 15, you are not sure who you are mm-hmm. or who your friends are or what you want to do in life. You're, you're pretty vulnerable. And it, it was just devastating. And I think grieving for four family members and raising teenagers at the same time is the hardest thing I've ever done. Absolutely. But we did it. <laughs> well, and I thought it was interesting in your book because a lot of times gar- parents and legal guardians say to me, Heidi, is it okay to cry in front of the kids? And you say in your book that you cried in front of the twins. Can you say more about that? It took some practice. I mean, at first I did my crying in the shower, and then I thought, gee, if, if we don't let them see us crying, it will look like we don't care. It would look like we didn't love their mom, and we did, and we continued to love her. So finally, we, you know, when the tears came, they came. And John and I decided that we would cry anytime, anywhere, for as long as we needed to. And did it and ever that, scare the twins when you cried or not really? I don't think so. Oh, that's I, good. I think that they knew us better than we thought they did. Yeah. And I think they were very observant, and they're also very bright. And uh, I, I did ask my grandson just recently uh, about his response from friends to moving in with us, because I'd read an article that said that some grandkids living with their grandparents are victims, and the peer group hey. friends mm-hmm. say things like, so you're living with those old folks? Oh, wow. Hey. And, I asked him, did he ever hear anything like that? And he said, no. Uh, He said, if they had said anything like that, they would have been ostracized. And the last line in his email reply really touched me. And he said, I was so glad to have a home. Oh, wow. And we we, we created a home, four of us, and we created a grand family. I mean, that's the term that AARP uses. And I use it in my book um, because we did become a grand family. I, I love that, Harriet. Uh, Harriet, you know, I, I deal with a lot of families, and, and in the Compassionate Friends, uh, more, peop- more um, grandparents than people would realize uh, are raising their grandchildren because their, their child died. And, you know... There's there's a struggle, and I guess what I want to ask you is, you know, when when this happened, because obviously you're grieving, uh, you're grieving, uh, you know that, that that the grandchildren are grieving, but as you were going through this, and especially early on, I mean, did you have some kind of strategy, some kind of secret thing that that you knew or insight that helped you, or is it just something you just figured out day by day, breath by breath? I mean, how did you pull it all together? Well, we were fortunate in that we have a very close marriage. 
and it continues to be a close marriage. So that was a foundation to build upon. We also are very respectful of each other, and it was amazing how quickly the twins picked up on that. And then I think there is a time in life where you just have to say, I'm going to go for it. (laughs) I'm going to take some chances here, and I'm going to trust life. I'm going to trust that the seasons will change and I will change. I'm going to trust the fact that I'm still capable of learning new things. And I'm going to trust the fact that I can even learn from my grandkids. And I think we all learned from each other. And we did become a unit. I remember distinctly the the evening that happened where we were sitting around the, the kitchen table. And for the first time, the kids lingered at the table. And they started talking about school and sharing information. And I knew at that moment that we had crossed some guideline there. We had crossed a line, and uh, we were on the way to recovery. And we all recovered together. I think that was important. Well, and and what I'm hearing, Harriet, is it sounds like you gave them space and let them open up to you when they were ready and didn't didn't force it. Exactly. And I I didn't ask questions. Um, I figured if they wanted to tell me, they would tell me. Mm-hmm. And as they settled in to our household routine, um, you know, they they would walk in the door, let's say, from uh, band practice or something and or gymnastics practice, and they would say, well, what's for dinner? And that was interesting to me, and, and we have talked about uh, uh, on air before about the importance of eating together. And so I began to cook their favorite foods and... They always knew that they would have a good meal waiting for them. They always knew snacks were available. And they each had their own rooms, which was helpful. And it turned out our house was perfect for them because they had separate bedrooms and a Jack and Jill bathroom in between. And Go on, Alan. Well, yeah, I just wanted to kind of play off of that because – you know, your book in 2012, one of the 36 that you have written, the title of this book, I just, is bold. It's a bold for the grief world. And, you know, one thing that, that, that when we're supporting people in grief, you know, I always believe one of the most, the most important thing is that we validate their pain and we validate their loss. But as we walk through grief, uh, we we can't stay in that deep valley. Uh, we can't live in that space for a lifetime and have a quality of life. We just can't do it. And your book title from 2012, Happy Again, Your New and Meaningful Life After Loss, I do want you to touch on that because that is the message. It's, it's why Open to Hope exists. It's why the Compassionate Friends exists. Uh, and it's at the core of, of what you do is that when we have these profound losses, you know, we feel like we're never going to recover. I can't imagine, uh, you know, in your earliest days uh, how you could even see a future with the magnitude of your loss. And then for you to turn around and then write a book with this bold title to grieving folks happy again, your new and meaningful life after loss, can you talk a little bit about that? How do you get from point A of just devastation 
to writing this book that is so full of hope um, that life can have deep meaning again. Perhaps I got there with sheer stubbornness. I don't know. Uh, a week after our daughter died, I sat down at the computer and I just started to pour my soul out in words. And this is something I have always done in life. I started writing and making books when I was in grade school. And so um, I wrote a book called Writing to Recover, which was published by Centering Corporation. And one book led to another. And then pretty soon it was the um, Writing to Recover journal uh, they published. And I went on to write several other books. And I just was determined that death was not going to be the winner here, that life was going to be the winner, and that we were capable of finding happiness again. But the Constitution says that we all have the right to happiness, but in the end, it's an inside job, and it's something that we create for ourselves. And I repeat that I am so fortunate to have a solid marriage and a respectful husband, and we work as a team, and uh, we all did it together. And the kids are starting to talk about this time now. They are 25, a little over 25, and they're starting to tell stories that made them laugh, and they're starting to talk about experiences. And early on, after they moved in with us, it, it wasn't that long, and I thought, my goodness, we need some fun. We need a change. And so uh, I came up with the idea of going to Alaska. And I, I called them, and would they be interested in that? And uh, my granddaughter um, sounded like a receptionist at a corporation. She said, <laughs> I will discuss this with John and get back to you shortly. <laughs> and I thought, gee, yeah, I should be buying stock here, you know. And then she called again and screamed, we, we'd love to go. And we had a good time, and it, it got us out of ourselves and out of our sorrow. It linked us with nature. Everything was so new. It was uh, both um, a land trip and a boat trip, and they roamed all over the boat. And uh, it, it, was, it was just a wonderful experience. I love well, it. And you said you can dedicate your trips to someone that you love, too. Yes. You know, the other thing I liked about your book that you just wrote is you give a lot of tips on how to how to help children through grief. I'm going to just review a couple of them. You say stick to a routine. And I thought the hugs was interesting. Hugs, but ask teens permission before you hug them. I like that, Harriet. Speak calmly. I didn't, hear, I didn't hear that. Ask teens ask permission. Ask teens permission before you hug them. Yes. You said give hugs, but ask permission. Yes, because they may think you're invading their space. And and on the one-year anniversary of our daughter's death, uh, I decided to have a graveside ceremony for family. So we had family, and we had invited the man that our daughter had attended to marry. And for that ceremony, I typed up a list of my daughter's values. And I talked about, here we are, you know, one year later, we've all survived. And uh, these are the things your mother believed. And I typed them up just from my experience as her mother and observing her. And the twins have since moved and, and graduated from college. And 
Maybe they don't have the list anymore, but it's become a treasured document at our house. Well, and I'm looking over the list right now of Helen's values, and it's a lot of things that you believe in and incorporate, and that it sounds like the twins live. I mean, family comes first. From what you're saying, obviously, that was your mantra and the, what, what you believed. Love and enjoy your children. Get an education and keep learning. Both the twins, you told me right before the show, graduated Phi Beta Kappa with honors from college. And, and your your grandson now is in med school, is that correct? That is correct. It's amazing. He will be the third physician in our immediate family, but we have other physicians in the extended family. Wow, and your granddaughter works for the Salvation Army and is a photographer. Yes. I yeah. love it. And then you said help others. They both certainly have chosen professions where they're doing that. Know what's important and what isn't. Laugh every day. Share with others, even if you have little to give. Find an occupation that doesn't seem like work. I mean, it feels like they're living their mother's values. I think they are. And when I say give to others, even if you have little to give, uh, our daughter went through some hard times when Mm -hmm. she was in graduate school. And so as a gift to her best friend, she brought over a cutting for um, a raspberry bush. And she told her how to plant it, and, you know, they planted it, and it apparently is flourishing. But she didn't have much to give, but it, yet it was a thoughtful gift. And that comment yeah. comes from that experience. That is, that is beautiful. So, Harriet, um, I, I want you to speak to um, that person out there who may be very new in grief. And, you know, we've given these great tips, but... But what would you say to somebody who is newly bereaved, raising their their grandchild or or grandchildren? um, What would you say to them, uh, you know, to to encourage them that how it is today, early in their grief, doesn't have to be how it's going to be? What would you say to encourage somebody who might be listening who is in that situation? I would encourage them to learn more about how children grieve, the ages and stages. I would encourage them to be aware of unusual things, and there's something called relocation syndrome. And I only learned about this when I was working on the chapter about grief. And it's when someone has to move and they've lost all their parameters. And when you think of that in child terms, They have lost their neighborhood. They've lost the house that they used to know or or apartment. They've lost the bed that they slept in. They've lost the familiar food. They may have lost friends that they've left behind. Uh, They lost things like the nearby park. And we have to be aware of their losses and, and be aware that kids are grieving too, and they may not realize they are grieving. But again, if you are sensitive to them and work on communication, and uh, I think routine is very important, um, but if you kind of just try and stick to a routine and be flexible, you can make rules, but sometimes (laughs) you have to break them and uh, go with the moment. Uh, Be willing to do that and be willing to believe in yourself. I think that we are all stronger than we know. Life tests us every so often, but we can muster the strength 
to get through, and uh, many people are, are willing to help, too. Don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, Heidi, that's why I would, I would like to bottle Harriet up, and I would sell those bottles to people. Just some of Harriet's attitudes and things she says. She's a rock star. I Harriet, love, thank you. love that. It's so amazing having you today. Uh, it's always inspiring to talk to you, and, and what an honor. Thanks for all you do for the compassionate friends and all you do to help others. You're an inspiration and just a terrific human being. Thank you, Harriet. Thank you, Alan. Thanks, Harriet. I totally agree with Alan. Those were fabulous words of wisdom, and I think it is going to be so important for all of our listeners to know that these losses will not destroy the children that you're raising. They may, you know, they may be a major thing that will define their lives, but they're not going to destroy their lives. Please buy Harriet's books um, because they will give you so many important tips and tools on how to raise very well-adjusted children. Thank and you. For- the book isn't quite ready yet. It won't be ready for some months, but Happy Again, Your New and Meaningful Life is available. And where can they get that, Harriet? You can get it on Amazon or from www.rightlife.com. Very good. Thanks. Thank you so much. Great book. And from the Open to Hope Foundation and the Compassionate Friends, we just wanted to say thank you for joining us today. And if you've lost hope, please lean on Harriet's, Alan's, and mine until you find your own. And God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.